Servus and greetings from Vienna. My name is Anita Posch. Thank you for listening to Bitcoin und Co., my podcast that's introducing the philosophy, ideas and people behind Bitcoin. Hello people, it's Anita and the Bitcoin and Co. podcast again. Thanks for tuning in. Last week's episode was the first that has also been broadcasted on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network, where you can also find shows like Let's Talk Bitcoin with Andreas Antonopoulos, Adam Levine and Stephanie Murphy, what Bitcoin did with Peter McCormick, the Bitcoin magazine podcast, POV Crypto, the Tatiana Show and much, much more. Make sure to check them out on Twitter at the LTB network and make sure to subscribe to their feed and please also to my feed. You can find it on all the major podcast platforms. This is episode 37 and my guest today is Austin Alexander. Austin is working for the office of the CEO at Kraken. He joined Kraken at the end of 2013. Back then, he was one of the first 30 or 40 employees. Today, Kraken is one of the biggest crypto exchanges in the world. I met Austin at several Bitcoin conferences this year and at the Baltic Honey Badger in Riga in October, we finally sat down to chat about his career and the developments in the Bitcoin space since 2011. In 2013, he was co-founding the Bitcoin Center New York with Nick Spanos. He talks about how enthusiastically they have built the center and about the problems they ran into in the dawn of the bit license. We also discuss his learnings in 2019 while visiting Uganda, Somalia, South Africa and Zimbabwe and much more. As always, you can find all recommendations and links mentioned in this episode in the show notes on the episode page at Bitcoin and co.com that's bitcoin undco.com there you can also find a books page with all reading recommendations from my guests before we start a message from my sponsors if you want to be independent and secure your personal financial freedom with bitcoin you have to hold your own keys and must not use a custodial wallet there are several ways to achieve that one is to use a well-built hardware wallet like the Bitbox O2 by Shift Crypto Security from Switzerland. They have two versions, a Bitcoin-only to minimize the attack surface even further and a multi-edition for a variety of coins. With the upcoming app for Android, you can connect the hardware wallet directly with your phone and send and receive Bitcoin on the go. Check it out at shiftcrypto.ch. That's shiftcrypto.ch. You'll get free shipping with the code ANITA. So hello and welcome to a new episode of the Bitcoin and Co. podcast. My guest today is Austin Alexander. Hi, Austin. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me here. Hello. Thanks for taking the time to do this interview. You're, as far as I know, you're working at or for... Kraken, Kraken. How do you say it actually? Um, I think either way is fine. I think most Americans, although there might be some uh, regional exceptions, I think most Americans say Kraken, and 
most of the rest of the world says Kraken. As far as I understand, it means uh, octopus in German. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So th that was the funny part when I first met you. You were eating a rather big octopus. Yeah, actually, the whole thing, all eight, uh, all eight arms, and the and the rest, Everything. but not the beak. It was quite impressive for me. <laughs> Please tell us what's your story. I mean, um, what's your education, and how did you end up at Kraken? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, as far as my education goes, I mostly studied uh, about demographics and demographic uh, analysis. Um, I think the only real job for that is uh, in the census, perhaps, but I didn't uh, stick around long enough to figure it out. Uh, and after I graduated school, I um, um, started selling some fruits, distributing fruits, and uh, uh, then I started, uh, during the 2008 crisis, I would... Um, uh, I liquid. I basically was was showing up to uh, warehouses that were uh, uh, full of stock that was on the edge of being foreclosed on or whatever, offering them uh, pennies on the dollar and um, reselling all sorts of random stuff. Uh, um, and yeah, it was a interesting experience because for uh, about a year, more than a year, every single day I was meeting people who were uh, on the edge of uh, complete and total financial annihilation. And um, I had been reading about monetary policy since I was uh, in high school. I ran across some book in, uh, when I was about 16 or something. And it was, um, it was about uh, like the central bank, the Federal Reserve, and um, the break from gold in 1971. Um, I can't really remember the name of the book. But then from that, I started, first of all, I thought it was um, fake, really, because when, when this book describes how the central bank works, how the Federal Reserve works, and that it's a, you know, a private, you know, technically a private institution that prints money to hand out to their friends, you know, or somebody in the privileged class, uh, I didn't really believe that that's how it worked, you know. I don't know why, but, you know, I think some people... Uh, who don't, and this is probably most people, but who don't get into monetary policy, uh, at least in the U.S. and maybe the world over, they, they still believe that there's some tie between uh, the, the fiat currencies, government currencies, and gold. I guess there is a small tie in that, especially as of the last decade, uh, central banks are acquiring more gold. They seem to be acquiring a lot more gold, but um, you know, there is no technical link. Yeah, but I think the argument is that, like, The nation state as a whole, the economy stands behind it. Uh, it uh, perhaps, but only because the participants in that economy are forced at, by gunpoint by from the government who claims a monopoly on violence. They're forced to um, utilize that uh, that to pay their their fees, their uh, their tribute to the benevolent leaders that is known as uh, taxation. And uh, should they not do any of these things, they would be imprisoned and ultimately should they uh, claim their sovereignty to not be thrown in a cage by random strangers for uh, not paying the tribute, they will be murdered. So when when what it really is backed by is a, a, an explicit, not implicit. It's the, what, what government currencies are really backed by is an explicit threat uh, to murder you should you not utilize them. Essentially, yeah. But on the other hand, I mean, maybe you can explain that to me. I mean, that's quite a very libertarian standpoint. 
And I mean, I, I think you're coming from that uh, side when I, I, I see your work history and stuff that you did. Um, but does in the end, what, what's the other, what's the view, what's your view on that? I mean, how should people live without a state? Well, I don't know. I just think that the, 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 I mean, look, I have ideas and mostly it's just uh, me would, Uh, regurgitating, you know, famous economists or authors that I've read or, or political thinkers, philosophers. Uh, but I, I, you know, I have some maybe organic ideas, but to, to not go too into the weeds, I think that we've seen the, the march throughout history, at least in recent history, the recent centuries has been towards more and more, um, individual autonomy. Uh, so I think all the functions of the state ultimately, can be done voluntarily without violence. I don't necessarily think that the functions of the state, well, I mean, definitely some of the functions of the state, uh, uh, as they claim it today, are are necessary. Um, you know, the state builds the roads. Others could build... The reality is the state doesn't build the roads. The state then contracts out to private enterprise. Most places, the private enterprise who then build the roads. So it's not even really true. But... I, I, sorry, I have a ability to rant and not be very. It's, it's okay. Um, but I think that we'll, if you if you zoom out uh, in history uh, and look at where we are, we're on a a, a course towards more voluntary uh, and more sovereignty for the individual, hopefully. And um, I, I think we can we can't. It, This, the state is violence. The state, the, the entire, uh, it's backed by violence. And I think that we can eliminate violence from um, human uh, interactions and relations. And there's a lot of facets to how that will come around. And maybe it takes a long, long time and another millennia or so. But I, I, I think it's possible. I think it's backed by hierarchy in the first place, isn't it? I mean, and like Bitcoin is something like a decentralized autonomous organization. So maybe that's the way. Is this where you think that's going? I mean, yeah, I think Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a complete and total game changer when it comes to the relationship between, um, you know, the residents of a tax farm and the and the state. Uh, it's it's an opt out from what is probably the most uh, abused and abusable um, um, tool that the state has, and it's and 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 the thing about Central banking and and um, you know modern era Keynesian monetary policy is that it's 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 a very insidious control. Um, when somebody marches into your city with a with a tank and points a rifle at you, it's it's not it's obvious. It's it's very obvious. But the way that uh, uh, that states utilize monetary policy towards their ends uh, at the expense of whoever uh, lower lower classes in 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 the, in in those states the way that they do that is not widely understood and it's i believe most don't want it to be widely understood when you when you look at go look at like and this has been you know a lot of this has been published uh, uh, televised recently of um all the various i mean literally all the central banks the world over announcing their their next round of easing in the last uh, two months and it's all coded in um uh in language that's legal and and, and you know uh, academic uh language uh, economic uh, language of the of the of the um legacy economic academy which is uh uh Not a science, I should say. We want to get touch into that. I mean, the the, the way that economics is, it's, it's not science. Um, 
they code it in this language that is is forcibly uh, not, uh, is purposefully opaque. Um, uh, you know, they don't come out and say we're gonna we're gonna print tons of new money and we're gonna we're gonna give it to the banker friends to figure out what to do with because uh, that doesn't sound so great. I don't think from a political perspective, uh, rhetorical perspective, they say oh we're gonna have quantitative easing and we're going to. Um, uh, uh, increase the balance sheet to uh, 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 so that banks have more liquidity for uh, uh, stimulating the the economy uh, or whatever you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from the monetary policy uh, side, <clears throat> it's true. I mean, you never learn what it's actually about, so nobody knows where money comes from. You just take it as like God given. You know, money is the euro or the Austrian shilling. When I grew up. It's there, but you never question where it comes from. And to be honest, when I realized what Bitcoin can be, I started to research about the fact where does money come from? What is the central bank? And it was really eye-opening. And um, I'm not a proponent of privatizing everything because, for instance, uh, in England, uh, Thatcherism, they privatized the railroads, for instance, and then nothing worked. So I think a basis infrastructure should be provided by the state. But nonetheless, I say there are many inefficiencies there, of course. I really believe that um, the monetary policy of the central banks is not sufficient because what we've seen in the last 20 years is the rich get, are getting richer and the poor or the middle uh, the middle class is, is getting poorer. And um, as far as I have learned in one of the books of Austrian uh, national economics is that, and I, I, I have a feeling that it's true, is that the money that is created by the banks at first gets into the hands of the people working at the banks and in their surroundings. And that's also explanation for me why the rich are getting richer. And I think in Europe, uh, the central bank goes straight to buying assets. Um, yes. And obviously, rich people own assets. The poor people don't own assets. That's so exactly the point. When you go and uh, when you're buying uh, equities and and uh, uh, even sovereign sovereign, so so the when you're buying equities, it's like completely perverse. But even something that maybe uh, people more people would would agree with would be buying. Um, sovereign debt like basically that's monetizing sovereign debt you're you're penalizing all savers every saver to to uh give more even more money to a system that has shown yeah. uh that it can't use they can't properly uh utilize the money right you when 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 you when you extend credit the credit is supposed to be used for productive ends and if it if it's not if it can't be paid back it's a sign that something has gone wrong mm. that there has uh that production has not been has not been created that value has not been created yeah i don't know i mean what do you think about like things like security token offerings i mean there's a lot of talking about it like okay then we finally can utilize properties and everybody can have a small share and it's very liquid and that's good for the market but will it not then in the end raise the rent uh, for the small people again i i really i don't know what like tokenizing um real estate what effect it would ultimately have on on rents um i think that that rents uh, are the, the the increase in rents is much more a um byproduct of uh people running to or to escape um quantitative easing and 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 money printing because um 
there's so there's a there's a there's a there's a level of utility you get out of the house i don't know what it is let's just say you have we have some house and we can get uh ten thousand dollars subjective value of course but some ten thousand dollars of utility out of it but uh if i'm making whatever uh let's say i'm making fifty thousand uh dollars a year and i have forty thousand you know forty thirty twenty thousand dollars i i want to save i can't just it requires a lot of effort to 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 get away from having your money drained by the central banks and the wor- the most the part that really is 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 kind of astonishing to me as you see uh people not uh uh masses of uh, the mainstream and 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 just tons of people not questioning this is that the central banks say this they say that the reason why they're doing this is to stimulate uh, consumption. They say they're, they're, that um, it is to spur consumption. Um, that's not very environmentally friendly. Uh, and also, um, so anyway, what I was saying is that uh, uh, one of the reasons why rents go up is because people run to real estate and put all sorts, all sorts of extra value above and beyond the the utility that they're getting from living out it, or or the 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 um, level of housing they would otherwise. Uh, uh, desire, you know, so that maybe they'll go, they'll ask for to build an even bigger house. They want to have even more land. They want, uh, 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 even, you know, nicer appliances, tear that building down, make me a one five times bigger. And so those that, um, are not the property class, uh, find it far more difficult to, to, um, get into housing and then that rents go up with, with that process. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the point where you said you were selling stuff in 2008. What did you do afterwards? Yeah, so I went to work at a, um, what's called the Mercatus Center. It's like an economic policy think tank in D.C. And there at the Mercatus Center, I learned about Bitcoin a few months after I joined. And that was in uh, April 2011. Um, I had a really... Uh, well, I, I yeah, I had a really bad computer that um couldn't really run the what I I think at the time was the only Bitcoin software available. They call uh they called it a uh, Bitcoin D back then, but I think it's pretty much the same project that is Bitcoin Core today. Uh, and um, so I I had that running on on one of my like office computers, and I had a little 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 bit of Bitcoin on there, and uh uh. Then I kind of just, you know, when actually what happened was the the price went down from somewhere around like twenty five or or thirty dollars to um like two or three dollars in one weekend, and I hadn't uh, checked the price, and so I came back to work, and uh, maybe on that the next Monday or Tuesday, I saw that the price had collapsed, and I thought that I had been scammed. Essentially, I couldn't I couldn't explain it, but I was like, oh, this is forget this, this is horrible, uh, because I didn't quite understand how you know, how the time chain worked. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny that you say that because just before we had a panel, uh, they were talking about education in, in and about Bitcoin. And they said, everybody gets wrecked on a point yeah, in this journey. And I've heard so many stories from people who lost their keys or their computer or anything. So um, it's quite interesting. And I think you learn a lot about it then. And, well, but it's good for those people that are still holding uh, Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. But did, yeah, I agree. That was the only way I was learning about it then because um, I was looking for resources uh, and there weren't many available, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, I don't remember it uh, uh, in much detail, but 
I think I would Google around and left more confused than, than when I started. Um, and it actually wasn't until, so then after that happened, I, um, um, I left that, uh, that job and, uh, it wasn't until maybe a year and a half later. I think it was actually New Year's Eve on January 2013, uh, 2012 into, into 2013. So New Year's of 2013 that, then I kind of thought about Bitcoin again because I had just received a text from a friend of mine who I speak to once every three years. And he said, wow, Bitcoin's moving. <laughs> and I had never remembered speaking to this guy about Bitcoin. I, you know, I hardly talked to him. I never remembered speaking to him about Bitcoin. And I was like, whoa, Bitcoin, what is he writing to me about Bitcoin? I hadn't thought about it in a long time. And I looked and it was, I don't know what it was, $50 or $60. And then then from there i've been basically obsessed ever since <laughs> okay your professional uh life started then also with bitcoin or yeah so and we were um i was working with uh uh, uh nick spanos on uh who who later got really into bitcoin as well um i was working with nick spanos on a uh um like a, a campaign consulting firm so we were doing some uh um micro targeting for political campaigns um i was writing like scripts for phone bankers and stuff like that and we were doing some analysis and um and i guess that's how the campaigns work um <laughs> and we're mostly for phone banks and such and then uh so i just started getting into the community and then at some point during 2013 we uh uh i had a much less ambitious idea but uh nick's the fantastic nick spanos who he knows very well um, he, he said, no, we got to do it bigger. We have to open a physical exchange. Uh, so we were discussing making an exchange because the exchanges then were horrible. I was completely naive. I had no idea how, uh, existing uh, legacy exchanges worked. I had no, I, I didn't have much. I didn't really understand, um, KYC. I had, uh, you know, I hadn't done much financial anything. Then haven't done much banking. I hadn't, I usually just kept cash on me, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, so we just we 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 thought to make a, a an exchange, and then he said, "No, we need to have a physical." Uh, uh, toward the middle of the year, he's saying we need to have a physical exchange right next to. He, so his background was in Manhattan real estate. So then he his mind went to, "No, we need you know the biggest building with the biggest sign, and we need to make it right next to the New York Stock Exchange, so that uh, when all the tourists come and see uh, the New York Stock Exchange, they can see the future." And uh, actually, the one year later, uh, which was January uh, New Year's Eve, twenty thirteen, it opened. And we, so we had the Bitcoin Center of New York uh, opened. Um, we were hosting peer-to-peer uh, uh, -peer trading nights. Um, and sometimes they traded a lot of coins then. It was like, back then it was only like really Mt. Gox for, for the first few months. And um, I remember one, one day we traded, it was like, it was um, af after Mt. Gox, it would have been the second largest exchange in the world for that day. <laughs> And uh, we were doing some other things. We were doing uh, educational seminars daily, multiple times daily. Mm -hmm. um, and were there many people coming? Yeah, at that point, yeah, because uh, luckily uh, the price had, was exploding. So it wasn't nothing like 2017, but it was um, there was a lot of people coming, and uh, including all the people working around in the Wall Street, uh, Lower Manhattan area. You know, a, a lot and a lot of people that I still know to this day that came in there. Um, 
and just say, well, what is Bitcoin? Tell me about it. I see, you know, I can make money off of it or uh, I've heard about it. Uh, teach me more. And on it, but honestly, I was the one who learned the most from doing all that because, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, talking about it all day, every day for months and months and months, um, I was very lucky, mm. to be honest. Mm. Teaching learns you something, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, <the> <laughs> And how did you make money back then? <laughs> we we didn't make much. I don't think we made any money. I think we lost buckets and buckets of money because um, basically what happened is, uh, I don't have to get into all the details, but very, very shortly, a very short time after we um, launched the Bitcoin Center, the New York Department of Financial Services uh, had announced that they were going to create this bit license. Um Actually, as we were setting up the center, they they did their first. Um, they subpoenaed a bunch of uh, Bitcoin companies while we were kind of planning and setting it up. So, mm -hmm. you know, that was a little. Uh, we got a little nervous at that point, but we we went ahead with it. Um, you know, the rent at the venue was something astronomical thirty thousand dollars a month, or <laughs> maybe more. I don't know. Uh, I forget, but a lot. So. Um, uh, Yeah, so the New York Department of Financial, we had a lot of plans to link up a, um, actually it was built out. We had an, an exchange platform that worked and it was built out, um, but we just were never launched it because uh, the the New York bit license, which I think because we were familiar with licensing, but it, was, uh, it wasn't like a financial licensing. You know, none of us had, you know, our Series 7 or anything. We had a... a Nick was a real estate broker, so he had a bunch of real estate licenses throughout the country, and uh, um, I had that license, and uh, I guess nothing else really, but I didn't foresee it uh, being like a seven-year application process. <laughs> I thought I thought we were going to be good at, you know, before the end of the year, and then we would launch the website. Yeah, so uh, things got very stressful. Uh, you know, we had spent a fortune on legal bills. Uh, uh bitcoin went from a thousand dollars to you know whatever two hundred dollars or something like that over eight you know then but during that year the i mean it was down down the whole time during the whole year so um yeah so the financially uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't uh looking good at that point but um But the center is still there. The center is still is still there. Uh, there's a different location. So you so, left then, and yeah, yeah. I just I got tired of New York. Uh, I realized that the license was specifically made to shut us down, which I hadn't realized in the beginning of the year. But towards May, I, I was after all this communication and all these lawyers and paying all these lawyers so that we could teach them what Bitcoin was. We would go into these uh, legal meetings and they'd have this whole uh, opinion written out and we'd say, what, do you, what is this? This, is, this, makes, this is no, makes no sense. We told you what our business is. It cut. So we just paid all these lawyers to teach them about Bitcoin, to be perfectly honest. Uh, so by May or June, um, I kind of realized that, uh, which you know should seem obvious to me, but I wasn't, But I realized that the license was put in place to shut us down. You know, maybe others as well in our in our of our ilk, but we were exactly the kind of uh, business that they were looking to shut down. Um, you know, we weren't bankers, we weren't a bank. Uh, we had tons of enthusiasm. Let me let me tell you, when they announced this license, we had um, uh, plans for incubation at the at the the center. So that was going to be a, a workspace there for um, companies that 
were literally spanning the whole globe. We had people in um, in Asia and in in uh, Europe and South America writing to us, please uh, uh, let us come, you know, incubate this project in the in the Bitcoin Center. You know, as we saw we had all this press of uh, CNN and all I don't know all the media. We had tons of media. We were in the New York Times and more, and all these people would see it. And we had a list that was. Uh, just very, very deep, including some companies that um, the the that either the that, that company or kind of the offspring of companies that are relatively large in the space today. Um, one of the first mining mining uh, uh, like consumer mining companies, uh, one of the first ATM companies, uh, an exchange that uh, exists today, very large. Um, the 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 founders were initially. Uh, we were working with them initially, um, but when th- the day that that bid license came, the interest dried up overnight. I mean, within days, everybody was like, well, I don't think I want to go to New York anymore. And you know, what could I say? I couldn't sell them. I'm like, you're probably right. <laughs> what do you want to go to New York for? So, the, I mean, the regulator really uh, nipped it in the bud, I'll tell you. If, if that's what they were going for, it was very effective because all of the energy of people that were coming to coalesce in New York... Um, they, they didn't come. I mean, they didn't come. And, and now there's some bid licenses issued. I think there's maybe 15 or 20 issued now. But as you might remember, for the first four years or five years, they issued two in five years, two in four years. And Ben Losky, the guy who, uh, was the head of the department who issued this bid license, um, a week before or after, like within a week of it, um, being issued, he went and opened a consulting firm so that, you know, and and I don't want to name names because, you know, it's probably the smart thing to do. But there's some firms that hired him and they got it in two weeks. And there's other firms like Bitstamp who waited five years. And there's other firms like Bitrex who uh, were in the process for years and then ended up getting rejected publicly like with the most unprofessional. Uh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Anyway. And they drive away all the mind power yeah yeah and 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 they were seeking to come you know uh uh from all over the world uh and 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 the 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 regulator drove it away you know people have to understand about the, the department of financial services it only existed since like uh uh one or two years uh like 2012 it was only around for about two years but Lossky was the first ever chairman i mean it was complete ego uh, uh self uh promotion on his his part and uh I guess a favor for to the banks because you know what 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 was always said then and what is said now is um about how the banks and the uh, existing legacy system was so slow and uh maybe it's true because now only now which is uh I guess we're over 6 years after all this happened uh, only now are we seeing uh uh, uh backed or the first real like uh, uh bank backed exchange which is uh from from ICE no, I know ICE isn't a bank, but basically of that of a legacy financial type uh, exchange that's making waves in New York. It's only happening now. Um, but everything is getting more and more regulated. I mean, you, I think you know it best, huh? Well, the public, the public businesses are getting more and more regulated. But as you get more uh, people that uh, understand um, Bitcoin. Uh, you also have tons. I don't know much about them, you know. I keep a, a clean nose, but I think you also have a lot more, um, uh, uh, like peer to peer and anonymous, uh, uh, activities going on and, and, and software being made. I don't mean like dark market activities, I mean like uh, software that's being made that's, um, uh, 
censorship resistant or decentralized as well. So you stopped at the Bitcoin Center in New York, and then yeah, I uh, went to Dubai and was gonna looked to uh, uh, look kind of how the Bitcoin economy was shaping up in Dubai, and I helped um, uh, to uh, organize a a Bitcoin conference in December of 2013 in Dubai. Um, also, in the meantime, I had uh, uh, ridden uh, my bike across Canada actually in like uh, July or August. We rode rode the bike for about three months. Uh, across Canada and with, much of US. With and which bike? Like a bicycle. Yeah, yeah. but a uh, uh, road uh, cycling or yeah, it was uh, like kind of it was kind of made for touring. Yeah, yeah, but I mean it wasn't the man. Yeah, it cost me a uh, that's like a million dollar bicycle right now at this point. I don't even. I mean, that's I sold it a long time ago. But you bought it with Bitcoin. I bought it. Well, all I had was Bitcoin. Yeah. Oh, really? I think I was like pretty so much living on Bitcoin for quite a while. I actually, I also started a. Um, um, the first ever, uh, I think it was the first like Bitcoin political associ- uh, organization. It was called Bitcoin Super PAC. I think it was around for some months, six months or so. Um, but then the bank, uh, uh, the bank shut our account down and gave us a check, but it, was, it wasn't for much because we hadn't begun raising money. And, um, I couldn't get a new bank account. So I spent literally about two or three weeks, uh, like a full-time job looking to get a bank account going to, and this is in Manhattan. There's a lot of banks going to every single bank and we couldn't get a bank account. Uh, so I was naive back then. I obviously, I shouldn't have named it Bitcoin, whatever, but Bitcoin super PAC, but yeah. Um, so then in uh, December of, uh, 2013, that's when I be, uh, when I started at Kraken, uh, I started as account manager and I think there was, um, between like maybe 20 and 30, uh, employees there. <clears throat> I think at the time, really, I was, I was, I was kind of focusing on, uh, obviously like a VIP account management, but also, uh, outbound sales. And I think I was one of, if not the first, um, kind of salesman for any of the major exchanges where that was like kind of my chief and, uh, sole duty. Uh, what does that mean? I mean, what what does a salesman for exchanges do? Well, I would contact kind of similar organizations or profiles, or I had, I had already been in the industry for some time, so I knew a lot of people, and I would contact them and say, "Are you? Why aren't you trading on Kraken? I, I work here now. Come come trade on Kraken, because now I'm here and I help you out." And then I would see um, some of the more at that time, you know, it was nothing compared to today, but some of the more professional or institutional market makers and traders, I would take a look at like kind of the profile, what type of, you know, who are these people that are trading? He's tiny back then compared to today. And just try to figure out who, based on who was trading today, well, who might be trading tomorrow? And with some success, with pretty good success. As I said at the beginning, there are several ways to store your Bitcoin securely. But in a way, you always have to trust the manufacturer, of course. That is why I love to know who are the people behind these products, what makes them tick, what are their values and goals, can I trust them? That's one of the reasons why I do these interviews, for me and for you. So if you are one of the people who thinks of investing in Bitcoin long term and in the most easy way and who prefers not to use a hardware wallet, then the card wallet is for you. You'll get one Bitcoin address, you can send Bitcoin to it, and all you have to do is to store it in a safe place. That's it. The manufacturers are the Austrian State Printing House, which is also responsible for the Austrian passports, and Coinfinity, Austria's first Bitcoin broker. 
order your card wallet now at cardwallet.com slash Anita and get 20% off the price. And uh, today, what's your position or area of responsibility today? Um, well, you know. <laughs> you don't have a job title. <laughs> yeah, a few things. But uh, mostly what I've been working on is uh, a few um, smaller markets and trying to, to, to launch uh, like subsidiary exchanges in smaller markets. Um, so I can't speak too much about it, but the, hopefully we'll make a big public you know, push on it very soon. But uh Uh, okay. You're gonna see new. you're gonna see exchanges everywhere for every every marketplace. I I hope uh, because eventually, um, in areas today that either don't have the local demand or or, or or they're driven by OTC or whatever, everywhere I think sub-Saharan Africa. You've seen um, Binance launched Binance Uganda. In 10 years, that's going to be the largest financial firm in Uganda. Uh, The same. I, I I was just speaking to somebody who's launching um, in uh, in uh, Guatemala, like a Guatemalan. Uh, uh, I forget what the name of the currency is. It's a funny one, but um, a Guatemalan Bitcoin exchange. That'll probably be the biggest, you know, bank in in the country in ten or fifteen years. I uh, heard you speaking in another uh, podcast interview or video um, about Zimbabwe. You have to been been to Zimbabwe yeah, this I just, year. Uh, uh, yeah, I went to Zimbabwe this year. I've, I've, got, I've been to Zimbabwe and South Africa just in the last couple of months. Um, it's kind of incredible in Zimbabwe how much of the, the, I mean, it's, there's so many industrious people. It's it's a crazy. There's 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 production of like incredible products. The literally the best butter I've ever tasted in my life and I'm a big uh, butter enthusiast is <laughs> it, I bought at a market in Harare I mean literally the incredible stuff um, t t tons of productive capacity there potential and to see how much mental energy the, the, the most motivated and brightest and ambitious people in that uh, country put to dealing with the, the, the government money To figuring out how to get out of it, how to trade without it or around it, or to 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 hold it for as the, the shortest time possible, and and try to read the tea leaves and forecast what's happening tomorrow, it must be half of all the p productive potential is wasted on thinking about these things. Yeah, I think it's even more. I have a friend there, and um, uh, she tells me that. Most of the time, she's just checking, like, if the power outtakes uh, are st ending again, or if they get gas, or if they can buy something to eat, or yeah, if they can use their cards or not. So, and I think in the last uh, months, uh, they uh, also banned the US dollar. Yeah, I'm not sure what the enforcement's like, but they did ban the US dollar, and they have these. Um RTGS, uh, forget the acronym, but the, the, the new money, the new Zimbabwe dollar, yeah. it's called RTGS. Um, and they've mandated that all payments must be made in RTGS. And, uh, I, I believe we're back on track for, you know, 100% inflation per month or something like that. Uh, it's only been a month or so since I've been there, but I, uh, the last I heard, um, The the exchange rate has uh gone uh, ha has more than doubled since then. Um, it's very destructive. And and did you um look around? I mean, do people use Bitcoin there, or do they want to have it? <laughs> well, there there there's uh the main problem there is with um, supply. So there's a actually a very uh, long standing uh, Bitcoin exchange there called Golix. Um, 
it's been around since 2013. Um, the, the founders there are very, very bright and definitely had a lot of foresight. Um, but the problem with the markets there, uh, well, this, with, with, with the, the open order book markets is that there's very little supply, um, which is the problem in all kind of capital controlled countries because who, why would you want to, uh, send the greatest money that's ever been existed in and buy the worst money that's ever existed? <laughs> so, uh, naturally there's a massive premium. There's been a premium for years and years and years. Um, what I've heard though is that there is a marketplace, but that it's mostly, uh, over the counter and, and, uh, peer to peer, um, which is, you know, probably the, that's that's partly just the nature of the distrust in the in the banking system because nobody wants to if you can avoid it, nobody wants to utilize the banking system even to to fund an exchange account or uh, any of the rest. And I think the banks are somewhat hostile to the idea of uh, of Bitcoin. And um, it's also a great way to kind of learn, right? Uh, some of the most kind of uh, some of the best learning experiences I had early on were um, uh, just meeting with people to do s- small trades in a in a coffee shop or something, and then sitting down for hours and you know just meeting somebody super excited to tell you about some about the blockchain or some aspect they've they've they had thought about it. I remember that's the first I ever heard of the blockchain. I was sitting in a cafe on 14th Street in New York. The guy we were doing a very small trade. Um, and he was uh, he was he was he was saying about uh, uh, uh how he thought that um mining was going to change and become which is borne out. I remember he was saying, "Oh, it's going to be very industrial. You're going to have the biggest energy companies in the world, and they're going to be mining on the blockchain and all this." And he taught me a bunch. So <laughs> sorry to rant. Which might be true, huh? The, uh, yeah, the yeah biggest... well, Bitcoin's an energy unit. Yeah. Bitcoin is a battery. So as uh, we progress, all energy interests are going to are going to uh, look very heavily in Bitcoin, very heavily. All the major oil-producing nations, um, all... I mean, Bitcoin at its core is a battery. So uh, it it really is going to change everything when it comes to um, energy production. And and the thing, as I understand about generation, uh, uh, when you're building out uh, uh, capacity, is that you have to basically plan years ahead of time so you have to kind of uh, uh, aim where you think the demand is going to be. And one of the reasons why a lot of um, the mining uh, uh, for, for year, the last few years has been in in China and more remote areas of China is because, uh, because they, they've centrally planned all this capacity um, that no one ever came. No one ever came to generate the capacity. So you have to do something with it. You have to, you have to, you know, shut the the turbines down or you have to pump it into the ground but um mining equipment literally goes inside the dam and then they beam the they take the energy and they beam it into space and then they make money out of it and you they store it as a battery and then you can go somewhere else and use the money to buy more buy energy yeah you store the energy in in the bitcoin yeah the, in the, in the, the bitcoin is yeah. a is a battery yeah yeah that's also a very interesting uh, fact in bitcoin yeah that it will also change the way we hopefully change the way how we produce energy or electricity well and how we consume yeah i hope <laughs> consume so consume yeah. everything i think and this is this is something uh because i think i was 
Well, anyway, um, it, I'm ha- very happy that that a lot of people uh, in this past year, a couple of years, are, are discussing um, um, time preference uh, and and fiat and, and and Bitcoin because this is something I've always wondered why, or I, I've I've always thought that since even before I, I got into Bitcoin, I was always wondering why um, kind of environmental groups and and other sort of uh, uh, like kind of left left wing populist type interest groups didn't. Um, focus on on central banking more because central banking is absolutely disastrous for the environment it um it puts like basically a flame on your back to consume now no matter what and uh as far as income inequality and uh uh the ability of even very intelligent industrious people born into lower classes to to uh, rise um it's a disaster for that too <laughs> yeah um, you were talking about uh, legal texts before how they are written. I think you have a lot to do with regulators and lawmakers, or I keep an I keep an eye on it. But uh, well, I've had um, so over the years, I've had uh, a lot of interactions and experience, and di- direct interactions with regulators and with Kraken and 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 Pryor. Um, so kind of, I was a, a you know, how do they call this? Uh, uh, birth, birth by fire or something. Is that a phrase you've ever heard? But in, in, in New York, uh, you know, it was kind of thrust upon me to try to do my best to understand, uh, uh, how we could possibly, um, continue our business and, and, and launch our business. And, uh, I've, I've, um, I, and I've had some experience with regulators with, at Kraken, uh, because, because I guess in every country where Kraken sets up a subsidiary, it has to know about the legal stuff, you know? Yeah, and, 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 and it's very tough because um, a lot of it is just uh, doesn't exist. A lot of the, the legal um, structure about uh, for our activities uh, doesn't exist. So, But one thing about Kraken that has paid off um, massive dividends uh, has been... Since day one, the founders of Kraken wanted to kind of have a professional uh, exchange, um, and they preempted kind of a lot of the regulations that are coming now. So if you uh, regulators can uh, kind of look back years and years and years and see that we've been following their prescription since far before they had ever heard of it or mentioned Bitcoin. So I think that gives Kraken a lot of legitimacy in the eyes of regulators. And uh, just uh, we've been um, around since t- 2011 and uh, 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 never had any kind of major security incident. And hmm. But you also have to store the users' uh, KYC and AML papers, do you? Yeah, exactly. And, and Kraken's never had any... Um, anonymous trading on its platform since day one so that's a huge differentiator than a lot of the uh exchanges today that are trying to become compliant but weren't in the past and it's caused a lot of headaches for them and uh what's your opinion on facebook's libra um well i i understand people who say that it'll generate a lot of uh interest and uh, attention um, but I'm definitely uh, not a fan and I, I think uh, I think it's an attack on Bitcoin I don't think it helps Bitcoin in, in the long run at all um, you know I'm not uh, 
I do understand where people are coming from when when they say that it you know, is going to give attention. But if we look at what's happened so far, the only attention is from the wrong people. Uh, the rank, the the, the 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 potential user base, Bitcoin's potential user base. They, they they don't they haven't cared at all about Libra. All the uh, uh you know all these people living in all these uh, despotic countries that are are uh, well, in every country that has a, a horrendous monetary policy. They haven't even noticed. You know the mainstream hasn't noticed at all. It's all uh it's all just basically the regulators who have taken notice of it, and 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 it's probably not good. I mean, privacy wise, it can't be good in my opinion. No, no, I. You have, uh, I mean, I, I've deleted my Facebook account, and the reason is, is because uh, I was too naive when I had created it to understand the implications of of, of volunteering this massive uh, amount of data to uh, so that they can understand me more than I, than I understand myself, possibly, right? And to add financial data to that, it is like the it is it is so powerful. It is the uh, the next big thing i guess i mean it 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 will it will all the 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 issues that people have with facebook it it'll double the ability for facebook to uh control i mean i don't know yeah i, I know. think i, I think so too sense. i mean they can even control small smaller countries who have like a, a smaller gdp than facebook has in its specs well you can imagine if uh, uh um facebook has the libra uh uh Uh, what would you call this? The um, the uh, portfolio or the basket. So they, they so Libra is going to be backed by a basket of uh, assets, liquid assets. But you can imagine someday where, um, imagine uh, uh, Libra really does become the de facto payment tool for billions of people, and then uh, the Swiss government wants to uh, uh, protect privacy rights for its citizens, and Libra says, "Oh well, if you do that." You, we're dropping you out of the basket, and you're going to be devalued overnight to the tune of, you know, 20%. percent. And they say, "Oh shit!" Yeah, yeah, and they can do what they want, basically. Yeah, well, especially after this, after Libra becomes a the a, one of an asset to that that's utilized to that degree, then they can really do what they want. And uh, um, I, I've just had the feeling since day one that it 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 is it's bad for Bitcoin. It's an attack on Bitcoin. Um, But I don't think it 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 it's a weak attack on Bitcoin. I think because it doesn't, it it, it it's just more of the same but worse, <laughs> and in in complete contrast to Bitcoin, which is none of the same, better than none of the same and better. What do you think? Uh, in which countries is Bitcoin understood the most and the fastest? It's probably hard to say because one one thing that we've been talking about a lot lately is um kind of how uh, I'm in a I'm I'm in a bubble you know I'm in I'm in a bubble that's very uh, uh, Anglo centric English speakers who are of relatively high uh, uh, income um, relatively well educated uh, relatively young. Um, And and there was a, a wonderful presentation uh, from the CEO of BitRefill, where he basically drew the distinction that um, we may be members of the the Bitcoin community here, but most people using Bitcoin they're not members of the community. Just like most people using BitTorrent, they have no idea like the uh, 
the political uh, conversations at the BitTorrent Foundation over what uh, protocol change is going to occur, and they have no idea what the the best uh, uh, torrent tracker or um, uh, what the best uh, torrent client is. They just say, "Oh well, my brother introduced me to Pirate Bay and downloaded a, a Azura or Azura or whatever on my uh, computer, so that's the one I use." And that's how that's the vast, 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 vast majority of Bitcoin users. That's exactly the same thing. They have no, they don't even know that these other softwares exist. They have no idea what the the arguments are, the protocol arguments. Or they just use Bitcoin because they need to use Bitcoin. And uh, that's going to be more and more and more so the case. Um, but I'm starting, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that, uh, well, there's some evidence to show that kind of, we're, I think we could be much closer than people think to kind of a critical mass of understanding in places like Argentina and Turkey and, 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 and places that have, currencies that are disastrous uh capital controls are getting stronger all the time um i get the feeling that in iran uh bitcoin understanding is 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 very far along um and and i think we're going to continue that 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 trek but one thing that would probably help that along is uh more documentation and languages other than like english and chinese mm-hmm yeah, I think that's important too because most of the literature and talks are in English. Yeah. All of the ones I've read. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm sure there's a there's a because there's a massive uh, Chinese language user base, so I'm sure there's a lot of documentation there. But it's really interesting, especially through all of the um, all of the contentiousness surrounding uh, uh, fork and protocol changes. How wide the gap is between kind of the Chinese community and the and the Western community and uh, you know there's 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 not too many um, intermediaries or translators for that so uh, it's probably also the case the world over we spoke about Zimbabwe I imagine if you were to take the the sum total of like kind of sub-saharan uh, Bitcoin users very, very, very few of them have any idea about the discussions about block size and and, and node uh, management and and things like that. Very few, but we should it should we should make efforts to change that because you don't need like the you don't need the entire user base to understand, but you do need some of the user base to understand to maintain the 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 censorship resistance to uh, of Bitcoin. Does Bitcoin or the things around Bitcoin still surprise you in a way? Well, I'm learning all the time, every day, constantly here at the Baltic Honey Badger. Uh, it's you know, there's a lot of subpar, I think, conferences. Uh, this is not one of them. I think every single presentation that was made here, I would I I would learn something from. Um, as far as surprise. Su- surprising me I, honestly i think it's just the speed at which bitcoin's grown is that if i were to look back years ago as like kind of you know getting me nostalgic for the for a bygone era here with this discussion if i were to look back at what i would have thought in uh in the the you know when the at the, the bitcoin center era i would have never imagined that uh it would be this big this quickly um it's big. <laughs> I, I think it's big, and I think it happened very quickly. And uh, uh, I think the I I think the growth is going to be when 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 um, 
when you chunk out, when you zoom out uh, in the future, we're going to see that the growth was exponential. I mean, we're in a we're in a, uh, a, a like a two year period here that is you know relatively sideways, but you know that's that's the pattern that we've seen, and it kind of matches the pattern of the issuance as well. So. Um, yeah, uh, so we're sideways in terms of price. Yeah, but yeah, I, that's what I mean to say. I don't mean to say that we're sideways in terms of um, understanding or adoption. Because one amazing thing that came, uh, that that a fruit that was born from the 2017 rally was uh, all of these people who kind of just got into it to so that they could, uh, you know, make five x in in two days off of some shit coin. Um, many of those people probably just, you know, tur- uh, uh, you know. Lost all their money and never thought about it since. But uh, a very important minority of them uh, just kept digging, got very excited. Uh, uh, now they understand. Now some of them are um, understanding the protocol. They're understanding the social uh, uh, implications, the political implications, and they're um, spreading that word farther. But but price really is a driver. So yeah. So now Jimmy Song is singing a song for us. <laughs> So let's close it. Um, do you have any recommendations for our listeners about uh, literature or videos about Bitcoin for newbies? Yeah, there's a lot of great ones. Uh, uh, I'm not going to remember the URLs exactly, but definitely lop.net, where Jameson Lop uh, has a resource page, is amazing. Um, uh, Bitcoin only. There's a there's a site that's growing quickly. Bitcoin only, a uh, very good one. Um, if you want to dive deeper and you haven't, uh, for those that are interested in kind of the political, the potential political uh, ramifications of Bitcoin, the obviously the Bitcoin standard is a very interesting take. And where can people find you and follow your work? Um, What well, do you don't don't you want that? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Follow my work. Uh, I know, like I haven't written much publicly or anything. I, and I go on. Twitter by once a week, so otherwise you know, eat your whole life away. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at BTC is money, one word. BTC is money, which says um, everything actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, maybe, um, maybe when I retire from Kraken, uh, I'll uh, start writing more on there or something. I don't know. Great, thank you for being my guest. It was a great interview, and I really like to talk with you each time we meet. Oh, I guarantee the pleasure is all mine, guaranteed for sure. <laughs> Thanks, bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks to my sponsors at Shift Crypto Security and their Bitbox O2. You can get free shipping now with code Anita. And thanks to Coinfinity and the Card Wallet. You can get 20% off at cardwallet.com forward slash Anita. And as always, this is a podcast, not financial advice. Please do your own research. If you like my show, please subscribe to it in your podcast player and share the episode on social media. You can find all links that were mentioned in the show notes on the website or in your podcast player. If you are in the mood for a donation, feel free to tip me at tippinme at Anita Posh. You can contact me also on Twitter, LinkedIn or YouTube. Goodbye from Vienna of Wiederhören. Music, start with yes, delicate beats. Idea, content and production, yours truly, Anita Posch. <laughs>